1: Hey, and welcome to the short stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. There's Josh, the other Josh, who's now become our go-to guest producer. And this is short stuff. Enough about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we fired Frank the chair and the little water-dipping bird that pressed record, which was our standby.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the bird really started to phone things in, don't you think? I think so. Chuck, speaking of phoning things in, imagine having to do public speaking. I can't imagine what that must be like. (laughs) Do you remember? I mean, we've done plenty of talks. We've done live shows. That's just kind of part of what we do. Do you remember the um, crippling stage fright I used to get? Yeah, I mean, we both had varying levels early on. It's not like I was always
0: a cool cucumber. You seemed like it. (laughs) Well, that you didn't go into the bathroom with me moments before (laughs) showtime.
1: (laughs) I always wanted to.
0: But, yeah, you were (laughs) – you were – uh, that threw me. Um, you always were a bit more nervous, but I think you're just wound a little tighter in general. But we we both overcame that for the most part, don't you think?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know how we overcame it? Well, I can tell you how, and I know that you know how, but let's tell everybody else. We did through, it. <laughs> through basically exposure therapy. Yeah. Just doing it. Totally. And it turns out what we're talking about is, is just public speaking in general, but um, – The fear of public speaking almost goes hand in hand with public speaking. I saw a stat that said that 75% of people, of people in the world, Mm -hmm. have a fear of public speaking. I'm surprised it's not more than that, to be honest. I am too. And then there's that old trope, the idea that there's some poll taken somewhere of what Americans fear the most. And number one was public speaking, and number two was death and Jerry Seinfeld turned that into, um, that meant that most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy <laughs> because of that fear of public speaking. And there's a word for it, too. It's called glossophobia, which is a great word.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a real thing, and we should point out that it is a legit um, anxiety disorder, a social anxiety disorder for, mm-hmm. for most people. Um, like, I had a bit of the jitters. I don't think I was— had a technical, uh, I was a technical glossophobe. Right. Um, But for a lot of people, it's not just like I'm nervous, my palms are sweaty. Uh, For some people, it's debilitating to the point where they will structure their life so that they never have to do that, never have a job where they have to speak in front
1: of like a conference room, you know? Right, or a small handful of people. Basically, anybody. They always want to be the ones in the audience. They don't want to be the ones giving the talk. Yeah, and so much so, like you said, they'll they'll structure their their life around avoiding it. Uh, avoidance is like the number one go to thing that people do when they suffer from glossophobia. They just do whatever they can to not give that talk. That's right. And, and like you said, the it's a it's a subset of a. Social anxiety disorder, which is really at base a social anxiety disorder, is a, um, a it's a performance fear. It's the fear of being judged and or failing. Um, That's what it is among your peers. Yeah,
0: it's the it's the fear of the result. Not like uh, I mean, it, it manifests its ways as you like walk up on that stage. But what uh-huh. you're really afraid of is saying the wrong thing, uh, feeling like you've said something dumb. Being judged as not knowing what you're talking about, and that's why it helped us because we have a very forgiving, loving, loyal audience. Whenever we go out to yeah. do live shows,
1: yeah, it makes it a nice. lot
0: easier. Than and we've done talks where we weren't full in a room full of stuff you should know fans, and those are always more nerve wracking for me.
1: Well, they also always went really poorly too. <laughs>
0: You're kind of right.
1: <laughs> but one of the problems, though, with this is, is like, that, that you not only fear, you know, not knowing what you're talking about or being judged and failing, but also catastrophically screwing up, like forgetting your place, maybe bursting into tears and running off of stage. Yeah. And so you fear these things, but the insidious thing about, you know, glossophobia or really any social anxiety disorder is that you come to fear the fear, right? It's not like right. you experience just the fear while you're up on stage. You you fear this this failure this whatever it is you're you're having to do for a very long stretch ahead of time and right. that is the most crippling part of any social anxiety disorder the fear of the fear associated with it and that's what leads to the avoidance right so let's take a quick break
0: and we're going to come back and talk about how this manifests itself and what you can do about it right after this mm-hmm.
1: Everybody, do you love hosting gatherings and you thought to yourself, what is the most interesting conversation piece I can put on my bar? Well, don't answer yet because we've got the answer for you. It's called Bartesian.
0: That's right. Bartesian creates bar quality cocktails on demand, providing an effortless way to enjoy and serve premium cocktails at home with the touch of a button.
1: That's right. Each cocktail capsule has been mixologist-designed with your taste in mind. They're made with real juices, extracts, and bitters, and no artificial colors or ingredients. And they work with your preferred spirits brands.
0: That's right. All you have to do is insert your capsule into your Bartesian, select your preferred strength from mocktail, light, regular, or strong, and enjoy a perfectly crafted cocktail in under 30 seconds.
1: Plus, there's a lot to choose from. Bartesian offers over 60 cocktails with new releases and limited season varieties throughout the year. Plus, you can set up a subscription so that you always have great cocktails on hand.
0: So order your Bartesian today at bartesian.com slash cocktail. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com slash cocktail. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well.
1: Just listen up to Josh and Chuck, stuff
0: you should know. All right. So, you got to give a talk at your school or whatever, which I did, by the way. My very first, like, big in front of people speaking and not just like classroom size was uh-huh. when I ran for uh, vice president of <laughs> student council. Oh, yeah. I had to speak in front of the entire school in the gym, and it was pretty nerve wracking. Mm-hmm.
1: New locker combos for everyone. Was that your platform?
0: No. What was it, Brady? Or no, a Happy Days was angled parking. That was the big thing that Richie was running <laughs> on.
1: Was it really?
0: Yeah. Man, that is a, that's a an arcane trivia question right there. I have no idea how that stuck with me. But um, what you will feel in your body, uh, which is what I felt back then and what I don't so much feel now, is on edge. Um if it's really bad a sense of panic and doom Mm -hmm. Uh, your heart's going to be beating faster these are like literal physical changes you will Mm -hmm. be sweating especially if you're me you might be trembling (laughs) you might feel weak and dizzy uh you might have trouble sleeping in the days preceding or weeks uh, or (laughs) weeks um i have trouble sleeping after shows because of just the adrenaline
1: just because you're so amped yeah yeah that makes sense yeah there's definitely a come down stage
0: Uh, But all this is actually science and physiological things that are going on in your body. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah. And the reason why you're having this physiological reaction is because the whole thing, any social anxiety disorder, but also glossophobia, since it's a subset of that, is centered around the amygdala, which regulates our emotions. And for some reason... They think it starts in childhood, probably, where there's just some sort of, you know, uh, innate shyness that doesn't get um, dealt with and just grows and grows and grows as an adult. But you start to associate performance with fear. And the amygdala, then, when it senses that there's some sort of performance impending, starts to freak you out. It associates performance with that fear and not only... Things that have gone wrong in the past, but all the things that could go wrong in the future, and releases the same stress hormones that it releases if a bear suddenly shows itself to you <laughs> and takes a swipe at you with the, with its claws, which means that the fight or flight uh, um, response is kicked in. So you're having a physiological fight or flight response, which is why you feel like you want to run from wherever the place you have to give the talk is. Just run forever. Quit your job, start a new life, maybe grow a mustache as a disguise.
0: Yeah, and as a kid, it's like it can very easily be avoided instead of dealt with. Mm-hmm. And then that fear just never is overcome and you become an adult who has that same fear. Right. Uh and you walk a really fine line as a parent. I'm already f- seeing this with like No, you don't have to do that if you don't, you know, if it freaks you out too much. Or, you know, you don't want to be the 50s parent either that's like, no, get on that high dive and jump. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, like they back then they thought they were helping. Like my dad, I was scared of roller coasters. Mm -hmm. And he told me, uh, I'm not bringing you back anymore then if you don't get on this roller coaster right now. And I did. And I loved it. However... I mean, people don't parent that way anymore. So you really got to walk that fine line of encouragement and maybe like it might be good if you could overcome this fear without traumatizing them at the same time.
1: Right. You have to figure out a way to trick them into doing it. Kind of. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of trickery involved. I can imagine. There has to be. That's th- There's your fine line. There's the balance struck right there. But avoidance is not going to solve
0: your problem. And no. uh, experts say if you, wanna, if you have to overcome this fear or want to, Uh, you got to do what we did, and you got to just kind of start doing it
1: on a smaller scale, ideally. Right. So um, if you really, really have it bad, and this is, say, like affecting you personally or professionally or whatever, um, it would help probably to go seek a, a cognitive behavioral therapist who's going to help you retrain your brain to see things differently so that your brain doesn't associate public speaking with abject fear and right. terror. And the way that you do this, like you said, just kind of starting out small, maybe giving a speech alone in a room, and then moving up to one in front of a friend, then a handful of friends. Or your dog, maybe even first. Sure. I'll bet your dog <laughs> wouldn't judge you. Most dogs aren't very judgy. Usually. And then maybe moving up to something like Toastmasters, like a supportive group that is, that, that can really help you and give you a chance to give speeches in front of other people who are very supportive and aren't going to judge you. And then you just keep going and pushing yourself and pushing yourself. And by doing that over and over again in increasingly um, anxiety-inducing settings, you – retrain your brain so that it doesn't associate terror it associates good things instead like that that um being pumped up on adrenaline afterwards because you're you're so thrilled with yourself
0: yeah i've I've been to many weddings where I feel bad for the toast master that uh was kind of that position was shoved onto them mm-hmm. and they it ruins the wedding up until that point for them a lot of times because you can just tell they're just <laughs> like I didn't want to do this man I've just been going over been writing and I just always feel so bad. I thought you were going to say it ruins the wedding. Well, it ruins their experience until it's over, and then they just get... Plastered.
1: <laughs> right. But when, one of the things you can do, too, um, no matter whether you're performing for yourself in a, a room alone or in front of, like, a, a room full of people, um, one way to really help yourself is to know the material, to be prepared. Yeah. And not just memorize it, because if you memorize it, you can lose your place and then you're just toast. Yeah. To know the material so much that you can improv and ad lib whenever needed, because there is such a thing as hecklers out there. And they will try to throw you off. (laughs) But if you know the stuff, you can find your place again and be much more comfortable. That's the advice I always give to people if you're nervous, just know the material inside and out, and then you can start to relax and make the jokes that people love. That's good advice. If your crutch is the actual material, then you're in good shape. Right. So that's it for public speaking. Get out there and speak publicly. And in the meantime, this is Short Stuff out.